invite everyone to take your Bible or a Bible that's in front of you and turn to the book of First Samuel. We are going through, with the Lord's help, this bit of ancient history. But we're going to find that it's far more than a history course. So if everybody could turn and bring up our uh, our slide there. And I have what I have is a little test here. We have a number of readers that are going to assist us. And you read along as they publicly read the word of God. Think about that. The word of God is going to be read in our presence this morning. That's a remarkable thing. We have the privilege here. We've sort of taken it for granted here in the West. Other parts of the world don't have it. Oh, what they would give for a copy of the Bible, of the word of God. But we have it in abundance here. But thank the Lord we have it before us and we trust to gain some lessons from it this morning. So we're going to read. You listen carefully. As we read, we're going to ask uh, these questions. So pay careful attention as the, the verses are read. And uh, at the close of the reading, uh, we're going to see what we can come up with. Good morning. First Samuel, chapter eight, nine, verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mounds of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. Verse 5. When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us... Let us return, lest my father uh, cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look, now there is in the city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass, so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no uh, present to bring the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell, to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well done, uh, well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. And they went up to the, uh, the hill to the city. They met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, Yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, 
For today he came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. As soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up for about this time you will find him. Verse 14. So they went up to the city as they entering the city. They saw Samuel coming out towards them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over the people of Israel. He shall save the people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people, because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, There is he, the man whom I... I spoke to you. He is who I shall restrain, or shall restrain my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, "Tell me where is the house of the seer?" Samuel answered Saul, "I am the seer. Go up before him on the high place, for today you shall eat with me in the morning, and I will let you go, and will tell you all that is on your mind." As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not send your mind on them. Do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? It is not for you, for all your father's house. Saul replied, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest tribe of, the, of Israel, and my family the least of all the families in the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me in this way? Then Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them to the hall and gave him the place at the head of those who were invited, who were about thirty men. Uh, Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion that I gave to you, concerning which I said to you, set it aside. Then the cook took up the leg with what was on it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here is what has been reserved. Set it before you and eat, because it has been kept for you until the appointed time, since I said I have invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. And when they came down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. And they arose early, and at daybreak Samuel called Saul to the roof, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. So Saul rose, and both he and Samuel went out into the street. And, at, and they were going down to the edge of the city. Samuel said to Saul, say, say to the servant that he might go ahead of us and pass on, but you remain standing now that I may, re, that I may proclaim the word of God to you. Chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look, look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my sons? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the ter- Terabith tree of Tabar. 
There three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city, that you will meet a, God, a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man. And, it, and let it be where their signs come to, to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait, till I come to you and show you what you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. Continuing on in verse uh, 10. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formally saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it, came, it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? So he said, To look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the Israelites, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought Israel out of Egypt and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, You must set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. <clears throat> Samuel had all the tribes of Israel come forward, and the tribe of Benjamin was selected. Then he had the tribe of Benjamin come forward by its clans, and the Matrite clan was selected. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was selected. But when they searched for him, they could not find him. They again inquired of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? The Lord replied, there he is, hidden among the supplies. They ran and got him from there. When he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Samuel proclaimed to the people the rights of kingship. He wrote them on a scroll, which he placed in the presence of the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each to his home. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, and brave men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But some wicked men said, How can this guy save us? They despised him and did not bring him a gift, and Saul said nothing. Okay, let's see how we've done on our test here. Anyone? What did the people request? Anybody? 
a king. A king. Why did they want this king? Did you read this slide before it got up here? Because they wanted to be like everybody else. They wanted to conform to the people around them. Who would choose in this particular matter? Who would choose this king that they wanted? Somebody else besides Dave. Anybody can. Ah, David, you know. And some, anybody. You don't have to raise your hand. What? Who would choose? Samuel. Samuel. God. I heard God. Who? That's, is that what? Where? And why do you say that? Why do you say God? No, you got to tell me the verse. Don't give me an explanation. Just tell me the verse. Okay. Well, you got to when you go to come to the word of God, we want to get the answer. What, what I, did I hear the verse? Verse 24, of chapter 10, who chose? The king. Come on, who was paying attention? The Lord. OK, let me throw in a wrench here. The next, uh, uh, we didn't read this verse, chapter 12, verse 13. Who chose the king? 12, 13. Who chose the king? Who? The people? Did I hear that? Well, the people, right? Yeah. But who chose? Verse 13. You have chosen. That's right. You have chosen. The people have chosen. What's wrong with this? There we go. So we want, we're going to leave that as a question mark right now because it says in our chapter that the Lord chose him. And there's a lesson here. There's a lesson here. Now, what, how would the fulfillment of this request be brought about? In other words, let's think about this. They wanted a king, right? Would they set up an election process? You know, like a democracy? Would they have the little tabbed... Uh, voting cards, you know, is that how they do it? How would this fulfillment be brought about? And hear it. I'm going to give you this answer because it's tricky, real tricky. So is this pointer thing. (laughs) Jason, help. Ordinary circumstances. You know what we can title this little meditation this morning? From donkeys to destiny. He went out searching for his donkeys, well, his father's donkeys, and he found his destiny. Saul, we're going to see, you, you could see in the story there, did he go out, did, did, was he going out to campaign, vote for Saul? I don't think Saul had any idea about such a thing, or did he have an interest in the Lord that would choose the king? Think about that. God sovereignly works through ordinary circumstances. Here goes Saul. He's out to look for his father's donkeys. And through an amazing set of ordinary circumstances, he's led to the prophet or to the judge, Samuel. What lessons can we learn for ourselves? I put the verse up there already. Whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. You know, sometimes when we come to the word of God, we say, well, you know, what, what about this lesson here? This is almost 3000 years old. What could it have to do with me today in the year 2015? What could I possibly learn from something so ancient? 
Whatever things are written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So let's see what we can learn. We're just going to go briefly through the story that we've already read. Uh, Pardon the pictures, but uh, I I think they'll be helpful as we go. And we trust to go through the people. uh, The the, uh, Lord said to Samuel, forewarn them. This will be the behavior. They wanted a king of the king who will reign over you. He will take. Six times he will take, he will take, he will take. I warn you, this man that you want to be king, he's got what it takes to take what you got. You know what they said? Nothing doing. Bring it on. Let him rob from us. Let him take our daughters. Let him take our sons. Let him take everything we have. All right. He will take, he will take, he will take. They said, we will have a king. They wanted to be like. All the nations, right? By the way, thank the Lord, we live in what probably was known, it, it is known, as a democracy. But what the people of Israel lived under would be termed a theocracy, that the Lord would reign over them. So when they rejected Samuel they, and, and wanted a king, they actually rejected the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice, make them a king. Oh, you can imagine. Go away now. Go to your own city. We're going to fulfill your request. Ra, ra, ra. Okay. So Samuel is now going to go back and hear the voice of the Lord. Did Samuel know who was going to be king at this point? No, No, he didn't. But later in the uh, in the in the chapter that was in, in the end of chapter eight. Every man go to his own city. Samuel had no idea. Saul had no idea. But the ordinary circumstances led to the appointment of Saul as king. The Lord told Samuel in his ear tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man out of Benjamin and he will be anointed the king or the commander over my people. That's what they wanted. They rejected the Lord as their king. They said nothing. Can you imagine? Think about that for a minute. That frail human beings have the ability to resist the living, almighty, transcendent God. They can, as the scripture often declares, resist the almighty. Say no to God. Can you imagine that God allows us to do that? That is utterly incredible. He also allows us to say no when he gives us the offer of salvation. Who he says... He says, whoever believes on me shall have everlasting life. And man has the ability to say, no, I want to go to hell. I want to go to hell. Can you imagine we have that capacity to resist the power of the almighty? What well, it will only last for so long. So, th- so the Lord told him. And then when Samuel saw Saul, he, this is him. The Lord said, this is the one of whom I spoke to you. He shall reign over my people. Now, we're skipping a few of the details for the sake of time. We just want to get into a few lessons here. Then Samuel took a vial of oil. And this is the way that they were um, appointed in and, and, and a bygone day. He was anointed with the flask of oil poured over his head in this private setting. That Samuel, because of the Lord and the Lord's voice, he anointed Saul to be the king. This is a momentous event. You know, think about this. Israel is still 
Israel is still in the news today. That little country that is smaller than New Jersey is, is, is why has it got so much world attention? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Well, here is a momentous in that, uh, event in the nation of Israel, their first, very first king. And then Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord hath chosen? There was no one like him long Live the king. Let's think about just a few lessons before we part one from the other. So the people wanted a king. They weren't satisfied with the Lord. Imagine no God. Give us a man. That's exactly what they said. Give us a man. And not only give us a man, but give us the right man. Give us a man that whom we want. Now, how you can tell that from this passage is this. What does it say in chapter nine and verse two? It said there was a man and he was a choice and handsome young man. You know, this man would have been termed in our uh, modern day language. You know, he would have been termed uh, some sort of a cut above, you know, a dreamboat, uh, a showstopper, uh, a tall, dark and handsome. He was a man among men. You know why I know that it says in the uh, in chapter number 10, see him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. Now, you know how it is. I know how it is. You're sitting in the lunchroom and all of a sudden some hunk walks in, you know, he's six foot eight. And you start to tremble, you know, he's tall, dark and handsome. And, oh, he's a cut above everybody. I better watch what I say. Watch what I do. You know, <clears throat> I remember when I was young. I was taken up by the ads to get that physique to be like Saul, right? Choice young man who said he was a head and taller. You could imagine. I don't know the height of the Israelites in those days, but he had to stand out. Obviously, he stood out. That's what I wanted to be when I was a little guy. You know, I fell for those ads. Probably have never heard of them. Charles Atlas when I was a kid, you know. Oh, you take the Charles Atlas course and you don't have to be a scarecrow anymore. You can you can look like Mr. Buff on the beach, you know, and you can impress everybody. Well, I didn't, it didn't work for me. I tried it, though. But, you know, that's the that's the goal. Oftentimes in human beings, we want to be impressive. Right. We want to be a man among men. We want to awe or wow everybody. Right. Well, I would think, according to the the the, the, the verses that are that, that are before us, that Saul was just like that. But but you say, OK, so that's what happened. That's that's it was a man that they would have wanted. So they go about their business. The, the, the normal circumstances come about. Saul, uh, Samuel whispers into uh, the Lord, whispers into Samuel's ear who it would be. And he brings him to a place where he's going to anoint him. He's going to say, you are the man to be captain over my inheritance. Now, there was a long string of circumstances. We're not covering them all. But he says, now you're going to be king over my over uh, my inheritance. And then in, in chapter number 10, and what he gives to Saul is a number of events. He gives a number of signs that will confirm the anointing by Samuel. Remember, this was done in private. Now, it wasn't it wasn't a pomp and, and circumstance type of ceremony. You know, we're at that time of year, right? Da, na, 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 na. Everybody walks down the aisle and everybody has their acclamation. You know, hey, boy, that and that's good. That has her place. But it wasn't like that with Saul. He was anointed privately. And now Samuel says to him, this is what's going to happen. This is going to confirm exactly what's going to take place. The spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel, uh, upon Saul, excuse me. And he went 
forth, the Lord changed his heart and then he was presented to the people. And then in verse 24, we have this key phrase. Samuel said to the people, see him whom the Lord hath chosen. There is none like him among all the people. Now, we left that question about who chose the king both ways, because the scripture says both. But I want to make a case here where the people got what they wanted and the Lord chose for them. The Lord chose exactly what the people wanted. And that is the key to the question here. Who chose? He was the people's choice, yet God did not allow them to choose. He himself, the Lord himself, would inaugurate this new king, the first king of Israel. God, as it were, puts himself at the service of his people and allows them to choose what they want, to choose a king according to their own principles. In other words, I have an ideal. They had an ideal. Our king should be... Right? This is what our king should be. They had certain... Uh, uh, you know, we do that, right? When, we, when we're choosing, when we, we think we're, we're, we're in the market, you know, when we're looking for uh, a lifetime partner, we have these little... We have a, a list of do's and don'ts. We have a list of ideals. And we say this, 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 and this. God gave the people exactly according to their list. Tall, dark, and handsome, buff. You know, he's head above everybody. And he's going to fight our battles. That's what they said. He's going to fight our battles. We don't want the Lord fighting our battles. We want a man fighting our battles. Amazing, isn't it? That God put himself at the people's service to choose a king according to man's principles. And so here was Saul out in search of his donkeys and he found his destiny. At the end there of the chapter 10, our last chapter, here he is. He's anointed king to go and lead the people of God. Now, there are a number of lessons that we can learn from this. But because of the sake of time, I just want to liken it to a very important lesson. The people wanted a king. They wanted a certain king. They had their set of ideals. They knew what they wanted, but they didn't want what the Lord wanted. Because the Lord would choose him a man after his own heart later in the next few chapters. The Lord would have a man that would be king. But we're going to 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 fast forward from Saul, the first king of Israel, all the way to a time when the Lord's going to say this. I will set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Yes, the Lord does have a king. The people wanted a king, but they wanted a king like they wanted. They wanted a king according to their ideals. And, you know, uh, we in our lives, oftentimes when we pray to the Lord, this is what we do. Lord, I want such and such. I want such and such. And we began to list all these things. And, and if we're not careful, we're not allowing the Lord to choose for us. We're, what we're doing is we're purposely stating our own choices and, and bringing up what we want and not what the Lord wants. Now, I think that's one of the most valuable lessons that we can get from this passage here, because they got exactly what they wanted and the Lord chose it. They gave the Lord gave them according to their own ideals. And oftentimes, you know, when things, events come about in our lives, we say one of the first thing a Christian will say is, well, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. 
Now, that's important to pray about it. But it's also important. There is a there's a fine line there of of, of being submissive to the will of the Lord, because Scripture bears out that Saul Yes, he was the first king. Yes, he had the, the, the ideal that, that was in their hearts of the people. But you can see what a failure he was when it comes to the living God. First of all, spiritually, he had no interest, right? He didn't even know where the man of God lived. His servant had to tell him. <laughs> you know, if you had any spiritual sense at all, you'd know who, who, who the, the appointed leader of the land would be. The judge of the land that, that did the Lord's doing. But he had no idea. Saul had no idea. Hey, servant. We're, we're, and what do we bring to this man anyway? We have, we have to bring something. Saul had no, uh, no idea who it was. But we have before us that, that possibility to, to uh, manipulate our own will when we're seeking things. And that's what happened. That's one of the most valuable lessons we can gain from this ancient history lesson. 3,000 years old. We need to be careful that we seek the mind of the Lord. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's exactly what they did when they chose this king. They had a certain thing in mind and God gave them exactly what they wanted. There's a verse in the scripture that says he gave them their request, but sent leanness under their soul. You know, we have the ability in our human experience to push, to push, to assert ourselves and demand. And I'm going to get my way, but I'll, I'll say it's the Lord. And the Lord, oftentimes there's a valuable lesson in the word of God that the Lord gives us what we want, but it's not what he wants. He has a permissive will. You know, it's a wonderful thing to learn in, in, in the word of God about the will of God. God has a perfect will. He also has a we also have a personal will, but he also has a permissive will. Our perp, our desire in our lives as believers is to bring our personal will in alignment with that perfect will. But oftentimes we make those bad choices and we get outside of the perfect will and we get into the permissive will of God. He allows it for a reason. He allows us to go astray so that we might have our hearts drawn back to him. We have sinned, the people said. We have sinned. We have rejected. But he, they said, no, we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. But as we fast forward and we close, we fast forward to the end. Far beyond, well, far our, beyond our age, even today, beyond our day. Here's what the scripture says. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor. And glory forever and ever. Amen. There is a king that God is going to set on his holy hill of Zion. Yes, praise the Lord. There's a coming day. It could be seven years from today. Think about that. If you know the word of God, there's the timetable of the word of God. If the Lord were to send from heaven right now. And approximately, we don't know how long, but at, at, at some point that tribulation is going to start. And at the close of that seven year tribulation, there's going to be the reign of God's perfect king on earth. And wonder of wonders, believers in the Lord Jesus will reign with him. But this goes beyond that. Because the Lord is described as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, there's been some great individuals that have risen up to rule over man. If you stop to think of all the leaders that have risen up to, 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 to rule over man, brilliant warriors, brilliant politicians, but the King of Kings is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now unto the King Eternal. And can I tell you about this King 
The king that they wanted said, he will take, he will take, he will take. He's got what it takes to take what you got. He's going to take everything from you. But when the king eternal came, let me tell you what the king eternal did. The king eternal did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. One time they came in the garden to take the king. Who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, yeah. They all went backward and fell to the ground. He showed his power. But you know what the king did then? He allowed himself to be taken by his own creatures. You know, and kings need to be anointed, right? Well, they anointed the king, not with oil, but they spit upon the king. King needs a scepter. They took a staff and they beat the king over the head. The king, he needs to have clothing, right? They took, they took his own clothes off of him. They put a purple robe on him. They plucked the very beard from his face, the Bible says. That's what our king did. Now, I ask you as we close, we're not talking about a king over a nation because we don't we don't have a king today in our country. We have a president. But what about your own personal life? What about my personal life? Is the king eternal is the king of kings, your king? Or do you like say like the nation of Israel? We I don't want this man to reign over me. I don't want this man. I don't want this Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. One of the keys of the Christian life is who's reigning. The reign and the rule over your life and mine should be, if you know Christ as Savior, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. We have a far different king than the world. The kings of the world, they come in and they, they, they shed blood. But our king came in and he gave his own blood. He shed his own blood. He gave himself a ransom for your sins and for mine. I wonder how many of you here know the Lord Jesus as Savior this morning. And how many of us that do know him have turned over the reins, as it were, to allow the Lord to reign. Unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, God only wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Last thing. The people of Israel were going to experience a number of problems because they had this carnal king. But you and I in our lives, yes, we may experience problems. But if we have God's king ruling in our lives, we recognize that he breaks. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. He as for God, his way is perfect. But he maketh no mistake. We have that assurance that, that we can walk with him. We can talk with him. We can trust him with every aspect, with every circumstance of our life. Blessed be God unto the King eternal. When we think of Saul, let's think of the eternal King, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will one day reign supreme on this earth as we know it. We will reign with him on this earth. That's a wonderful thing if you know the Lord Jesus as Savior. Oh, but listen. If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Reward, that is. It's a serious matter to bow in humble submission to the king, king of my life. I crown thee now. When the Lord comes out on that white horse in Revelation chapter 19, he has written on his thigh a name written king of kings and Lord of lords. You know, it's a wonderful thing to live in this great land and we thank the Lord for it. <clears throat> but if you know the Savior, our citizenship, that's the word politikos in Greek, our politics are not here, they're in heaven. So that's why we direct our lesson today of Saul and his kingship to the King Eternal, the Lord Jesus. Now unto the King Eternal to allow the King to rule in our lives in our day-to-day -day affairs and watch him work. Ordinary circumstances brought about such a momentous event 
Allow the king to work. We have the word of God to guide us. Samuel had the word from the Lord. We have the word from the living God. What a beautiful principle it is to heed the voice of the Lord and allow the eternal king to reign in our experience. Our Father, we're thankful this morning for this lesson, practical lesson of how the people of the Lord rejected the king and wanted a king according to their own principles. They wanted a man. They got a man. They got a failure of a man. They rejected thee, O God. But we just thank you this morning for the privilege we had to learn from them. Whatever things are written before time are written for our learning. Help us, O God, to learn from the, uh, the mistakes, as it were, of others and seek to allow the King of Kings to reign in our own lives, the eternal King, the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, that He may be the Savior. We recognize there may be some here this morning that have never received the Lord Jesus as their own personal Savior. Have never seen the King in His beauty as He suffered in their own stead on Calvary's cross. Cause, O Lord, that the Spirit of God might speak to them and they might come to know Him, whom to know is life eternal. And for we who know the Lord Jesus, that we might turn over the reins more and more and more unto the King eternal. Allow Him to rule in our lives as we go about our daily round of life. What a privilege it is to have the King in command of every circumstance of life. We pray this may be the case in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.